This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me. Great to have you here for another episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Hunting, Shooting and Fishing Radio. Now, um, of course, as usual, I want to thank all my subscribers, all the people that support the show, all the people that share the show on social media. I want to thank all you guys, of course, my Patreon supporters as well, and all the people that run ads on my show. I want to thank you very much. And we've also, over the last couple of months, you've heard a couple of new sponsors. So one coming up very soon, which I haven't played yet, it's going to be uh, Camo Warehouse. Uh, if you want to go there for all your you know, leading hunting equipment, Ridgeline, Spiker, 511, gun stocks, Boyd's gun stocks, you name it, they sell it. You can check them out at camowarehouse.com.au. Also, again, one of our other supporters on the show that run ads on the show, uh, the National Shooting Council. So I want to thank those guys as well for running ads on the show. And as I always say, if if you want to put your money, I say put your money into the companies that uh, run ads on this show because the most important thing is is to show, I guess, a bit of love to the people that support me. So if you support me, um, if you're looking for any equipment, jump onto those guys' websites, give them a like uh, and purchase some items uh, from their online stores or in person. I'd really, really appreciate that because without people that run ads, without my Patreon supporters, I really wouldn't be able to do what I do. Don't forget, you can visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au if you want to send us some emails email about anything in particular go to australian hunting podcast at gmail.com uh, and also if you want to be on some upcoming straight shooting please go on to the website click on the slider bar on the right hand side and leave us a voicemail uh, i collect them as i normally do every two to three months and i'll run them during the straight shooting podcast we'll address them talk about them anything you want to talk about put it on an audio voicemail and We'd love to hear from you because we'd love to play it on the show because we really like when people write in. We really like when we get the voicemails to play. Uh, that's what it's all about, including you guys in the show. Uh, a lot of people have been emailing me recently again on where to hear the show. Uh, mostly when I put it out on social media, uh, I always put where you can put it. So that's on Facebook and on Instagram. So you can obviously, the main place where I host the show is Podbean. Uh, the main place is the website and iTunes. That's where I get most of my downloads. Also, uh, we're on Stitcher as well. So you can listen to it through that. And also a lot of people have been jumping on the YouTube channel, just Australian Hunting Podcast uh, and listening to it straight from YouTube uh, that's not I don't get a lot of listens from there mostly from iTunes where a lot of people download it because a lot of people have got iPhones so that's generally the most place that people actually download the show which is through iTunes uh, if you're on iTunes mate if you could leave me a comment hopefully you enjoy the show uh, leave me five star comment and just a bit of a comment I love reading those out on the show I love reading those out on straight shooting and uh, I'm also considering probably down the track too maybe adding an extra show something like a mailbag Q&A um, I get so many questions and pretty much on the last straight shooting show, I spent about 50 minutes addressing the questions and all the things coming in on voicemails uh, and on the email. So I might just, I want to probably keep straight shooting more for the articles and what's happening in the industry uh, instead of sort of spending, you know, 35 to 45 minutes just addressing the emails. I think that would be a better format. And uh, uh, the people that I've spoken to seem to be pretty excited about that. And uh, it'll give people an extra show. And I'll just grab as many questions as I can if it's in a month or it's every two months. Wait, do I get enough questions to satisfy a show? And, you know, I might have some different people on just to answer some questions that I don't know. And I think, 
yeah, I hope you guys enjoy that. So that's something I'm going to do for the future. Uh, once I build up the emails and questions, um, I'll be doing a show on that as well. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy that. Also, I have been known to put up a few videos on YouTube as well. So if you want to check that out, AHP Outdoors, uh, two words. So AHP Outdoors on YouTube. A lot of people have been having a chat to me and saying they really enjoyed my two-part series on the Bunny Busting Mayhem series, which I <laughs> did put a lot of time to actually, probably about 15 hours per 15-minute video. Um, it's just pretty much spending the weekend going through it a couple of afternoons you know, during the week and I got them done and I'm probably going to be going away uh, middle of August so again hopefully by the end of August I'll have uh, another part of that series out again which I hope you guys enjoy and I spent a lot of time on that a lot of time filming it a lot of time putting it together editing it I think it came out really well and uh, I haven't watched it for about two months and I watched it again last week and to be honest, I enjoyed it myself just looking back and having those memories because that's what it's all about. So, yeah, stay tuned for part three uh, of the Bunny Busting Mayhem. It may be a different name. It could be another two-part series. It may be a continuation, part three, part four, etc. Um, but... It's going to be cold, uh, but I'm going to have lots of fun and I love filming and, you know, in a past life I did film quite a lot of weddings when I was younger, so I, I do enjoy the editing and the video process. So without further ado, we're going to get into my show, but today we're talking with Chris Pritchard from Protective Ceramic Coatings. They're based in Queensland. As I said a bit earlier, I've received a lot of emails over there, probably the last year saying, mate, what's your Cerakote business? I want to buy a gun. It's got Cerakote on it. Uh, is that something I should be worried about? about is that good is that bad people wanting to know about costings or if their firearms are rusted or pitted what do they need to do so i thought well you know what i think it's time we you know got on with that sort of gunsmithing type show and speak to someone who is qualified in the application of serico you know we might talk about prices we're going to talk about where serico is applicable and where it's, where it's not applicable we're going to talk about camo patterns different types of colors uh, basically what it's made of really all I knew about it was that it was a pretty quality ceramic coating uh, how it's applied what you can expect if you go to a certified applicator yeah so I think it's going to be great to, to get in there and find out if you've got that firearm that might be rusted maybe it's looking a little bit worse for wear you, you, you know you're going to be able to jump on and, and spend a bit of money and uh, get it sandblasted first and then coated after and hopefully it comes back looking fantastic and uh, we'll talk about that as well about the pitting uh, of firearms and how bad it can be and if it's bad after the application of Cerakote is it going to be visible yeah so it's going to be a great show so I think without further ado let's get into my interview with Chris Pritchard from Protective Ceramic Coatings in Queensland. Chris Pritchard welcome to HP. thanks for joining me uh, great to have a chat and finally get someone on the show today to talk about Cerakote. So thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. No worries. Tell us about yourself. Bit of, uh, I guess, how you got into Cerakoting. Maybe you do a bit of hunting, a bit of shooting. How did you get into firearms and all of the above? Um, long and, and interesting story, but I basically grew up in Papua New Guinea where firearms are a, quite an important part of life up there due to the, the crime. Um, the old boy was a police officer, so um, that's where my interest in firearms came through. And then I was there for 17 years, moved to Australia. Prior to 1996, of course, so we were able to walk into any local sports store and buy literally whatever we wanted, and that was a lot of fun. And the interest really boomed from there in the mechanical side of it. Yeah. Uh, what are you? What, how did you go in New Guinea? How did you end up there? Was it your parents were was Australian heritage or or New Guinea heritage or yeah? How did how did that happen? Um, Australian heritage myself. Parents English. Uh, 
the old boy had spent a bit of time in Northern Ireland when it was a bit nasty, so they decided to come to Australia, and Australia after Northern Ireland was a bit too calm, so there was a posting to Papua New Guinea. The family went up there, and I was there for 17 years, and my parents were there for, I think, in total 27. So um, big big part of my life. What was that like? What's the difference between Papua New Guinea and Australia? I guess uh, <laughs> a big difference. It's, it's a very, very difficult thing to answer. It's like when you talk to Zimbabweans that grew up in Zimbabwe, unless you've been there, it's hard to explain, but I had the most amazing childhood, um, learning a lot of things off the indigenous guys, you know, chasing cassowaries, going with them, chasing dugongs, lots and lots of very interesting things. And it was very different to when I came down to Australia to boarding school to further my education. The guys were telling me that they would do something and I'd be looking at them and it was not a particularly interesting or exciting thing. Whereas they all hung on every word I said with, wild tales of what we did in the wild wild west up there but it was a fantastic place to grow up and some beautiful lovely people and the most unbelievable fishing and scenery you could imagine yeah i've heard it's pretty good what about when you came back to australia at 17 did you eventually was that with your parents did you get back into firearms was it something you you know your whole family got into or no no my father was after after obviously what he had seen in northern ireland and papua new guinea having to use firearms for uh, law enforcement he wasn't particularly fond of them anymore. He'd done his bit with them, but my interest was in them, and I had uh, an extended family member that was quite interested in it. Always had a lot of my father's friends that were Vietnam veterans, South Africans, Rhodesians. So the stories of hunting just encouraged me more and more, and the moment I turned 18, I went out and bought my first rifle, and then the collection started from there. What was the first rifle you got? Sterling twenty two semi-auto that was my pride and joy yeah i used to have non-semi-auto version but the i always found the sterlings to be very very good for the you know the prices that they were i mean i had a i think a bolt action sterling 22 and mate never missed a beat that thing it was uh, actually upset that i actually sold that but my i I can't argue with mine either i it performed very very well and i had some extended family that had a or have a very large cattle property in um up rockhampton and they had a lot of problems with, with feral pests. So school holidays or whenever I could, it would go up there and the poor little Sterling and get a solid workout. So when you were growing up, you got your first firearm. Did you eventually, what was your main purpose? Was it target shooting? You know, did you get into a bit of hunting? What was your general outlook on uh, you know, shooting and hunting? It was always for sustenance because with growing up in Papua New Guinea, if we lived in an amazing place on the beach. So if we had visitors coming for dinner, I would at lunchtime stroll down the beach, either throw a line in or grab the spear gun and go and collect some crays or shoot a coral trout. It was a very, very simple life that that was very good. And then coming back here, having learnt a lot of skills off the Indigenous guys up there, I I love hunting rabbits. I, I, I enjoy hunting feral pests and I enjoy target shooting, but I really do enjoy feeding my family with with um, whatever we can take, be it deer, rabbits, et cetera. So. You know, I was just about, that was my next question, actually. So you enjoy, what, the idea, uh, rabbit shooting? What about when you go fishing now? What do you get the opportunity to fish in Queensland? I put the lures down for many years and was very, very big into fly fishing, which uh, I, I enjoyed immensely because a, a hidden talent of mine was tying flies. And I was lucky enough to meet some people that were quite big in the beginning of fly fishing in, in Australia, as in saltwater fly fishing. So for about... 18-odd years, I never flicked the lure or did anything. Um, but combining hunting and fishing was always fantastic. So if we did a trip with the Northern Territory or up to Weeper, there was 
fishing rods one side, firearms on the other, and two or three pairs of clothes in the middle. That was it. Is there any animals or any type of shooting that you're doing now? What about just general disciplines other than hunting? Do you get any okay, target shooting pistols or anything you've gotten into or more just a bit, you know, more just fun sort of? I, I enjoy the fun side of it. I enjoy instructing people. I was helping a mate as a firearms instructor for quite a while, and that was something that gave me immense joy, particularly with ladies and juniors, because that's where our future lies. And... Um, I also enjoy pistol shooting. I've done competitive clay pigeon shooting. It's I've sort of had a little bit of a dabble in everything. Uh, the only thing I haven't really done, and unfortunately dodgy old knees, is PRS, but that's something that I follow, and I think there's a massive future for it here as well. Excellent, man. So how did you get into – so you've grown up, you got into a bit of hunting, a bit of shooting. How did you get involved in working on firearms? Obviously, Sarah Coates probably – I'm not sure how old Sarah Coates probably is now, maybe seven or eight years. I'm not exactly sure. But how did you – were you working on different types of firearms first or you sort of first working on firearms was Sarah Coates applicating? No, I, I worked in the fishing industry because fishing was the love of my life. And I was very lucky to get a position in one of Brisbane's or one of Australia's largest retail shops. And because I had some experience, all of a sudden, here, can you change this trigger? Can you fit the scope? Can you do this? The customer wants the length of pull short, et cetera. And that's a part that I really enjoyed. And I have a, a very good affiliation with quite a number of the local gunsmiths in Southeast Queensland. So quite often, I would clear a schedule if I had a day off and say, look, if you're chambering barrels, can I come and check it out? Or, and as long as you asked nicely and you took morning tea, they were always very accommodating. And from there... It, it just blossomed into the – I just couldn't get enough with working on firearms. And then as my collection grew, then I had different things, you know, longer-range rifles, specialised target rifles, that type of thing. So it's something that's just never – the interest has never gone away, and it's something that I, I do genuinely enjoy. Yeah, it was, guys, going to go a quick break and be right back. Even though they're back in business, the closure of gun shops in three states during the coronavirus pandemic was an attack on every shooter's right to go shooting. That's why the National Shooting Council's taken legal action so that it doesn't happen again. The NSC is also leading the fight to stop the reclassification of firearms and is providing important voting advice for every shooter in every state, territory and federal election coming up. That's why the NSC is the leading political organisation for shooters across Australia. So support its work by becoming a member today. For more information, go to nationalshooting.org. Chris, want to talk about, let's talk about Cerakote, actually. I've had a bunch of just emails and just general stuff talking about Cerakoting and, and re-bluing over the years and, and what's good. And so just give us a bit of a rundown on what Cerakote is. I know people probably are well aware of it, but they don't know what it actually is and how it's going to sort of help them, you know, I guess breathe a bit of life, maybe not necessarily back into their old firearms, but maybe into some new ones. They want to get some patterns or, or get it coded. Sure. Well, Basically, a lot of people refer to it as a paint, which it isn't. It's There's a number of different types of Cerakote, but the predominant one we use, which is the heat-cured for firearms, it's a uh, it's a two-part, and it's a uh, ceramic-based finish. So inside the the liquid that sets is a whole, is literally millions and millions of little ceramic spheres. And a lot of the guys and, and girls that have had their firearms Cerakote will tell you that a lot of it is it's quite slippery. It has fantastic lubrication. So it's sprayed on in a particular way, in a particular manner. And it's at the, this point in time, it's the best we have for our outdoor pursuits, particularly with firearms. I want to, and you brought up a very good situation there. How does, because I've seen some people over the years try the, maybe the, 
uh, air cured and versus the heat cured. So again, what's the difference? And is the heat cured much harder and much more hard wearing than say the the air dry? Or are they very similar once they've cured? No, you're 100% correct. The the air dry is very very good and it's better than regular paint and that type of thing. And there's certain parts or components of what we do that you can't actually use a heat cured Cerakote on because the process of it being applied and and heated and and baked on obviously would damage something like a you know a red dot for your pistol or something like that. But the the H series, which is simple to remember, H for heat, is very very durable. And in the last 12, 18 months, they've brought out a new uh, style, which is called Elite, which is even tougher. And the Elite has a nice, beautiful little sheen on it, and lots and lots of manufacturers use it because it makes the firearm or the product look very uh, – it makes it look very, very nice, quite shiny, quite deep like a blue. So it's very apt to what we use on firearms. Is that is that Elite? Is that a – a heat cured as well, or is it a different type of system, or is it still a heat yeah. cure? It's still a heat cure. It's it's a it, the the components of it are slightly different, but it is a for want of a better word, I'm going to say it's a slippery product. As in, when it's put on, it's actually quite slick because it has a, a particular gloss level. So if you had a we had Granddad's old uh, BSA Triple Two or an old Seiko, which had the particular type of bluing that was beautiful and deep the Elite Series will match that better than, will be closer to that type of bluing than some of the other products that you can get. So I imagine with the heat cured, uh, like things like, I mean, I can red dots, as you said before, I would, just off the top of my head, I'm probably guessing maybe uh, scopes, um, maybe plastic style stocks or something like that. Is there any, I guess, additional items where maybe the, the heat cured's not going to be suitable? There, there, there are a number of things that we can't do, but the number that we can do is significantly greater. With, if we remove the elite part of the Cerakote range in the standard H series, there's a number of different ways it can be cured over time versus temperature. So we do do a lot of scopes, um, particularly if we're doing a, a tactical type rifle in, a, in a, a pattern or someone may have an old silver scope from years ago and back when shiny stainless steel was all the rage and now they want to put that silver scope on a deer rifle, they say, oh, can you make that black, please? And as long as it's a quality scope, we don't have any issues with them. Yeah, right. Sounds sounds like it's interesting. I can imagine, too, you know, trying to do some of those finicky parts can be a bit difficult, too, things like scopes, but I guess that's why they come to people like you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and look, and with... With the way we do things and the way that the the, the professional Cerakotas do, there's a lot of little tips and tricks that the average Joe doesn't know. And you're you're paying the money to receive a product that's done and and it's done to a very very good standard. Uh, and to a point now where some of the scope manufacturers are actually already offering Cerakoted uh, scope tubes and scopes from the factory. I guess to put you on the spot a little bit in regards to the air dry, the heat cured, now the elite. I mean, what are we really getting in regards to um, the say say the heat cured over the elite, and what are the percentage say benefits? Would you estimate it be a five percent benefit on the original heat treated, ten percent, fifty percent, and also what are the you know costings uh, in regards to? I'm oh, not specific costings, obviously, but is a a twenty percent increase in cost? Is a fifty percent? What are people sort of looking at? The, the main realm of the Elite Series with the, the gloss level is where people have 
a fairly high-end firearm that they want to refinish, so be it a Parazzi, a Beretta shotgun. Um, handguns are very, very popular with the Elite Series because the they go into a holster, and obviously anything that goes in and out repetitively many, 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 many times um, will ultimately show signs of wear. So the Elite Series is very, very popular for, for handguns. Uh, PRS rifles that are getting, get knocked around a fair bit, um, particularly with professional shooters, again, where, say, a kangaroo shooter is going to uh, be knocking it around on the edge of the, the, the windowsill and things like that. So the main advantage of the Elite is it's significantly harder wearing and unofficially I'll say I found it around 20% harder on my own particular firearms. And the other thing as well is, which is very important, is it's also quite a bit thinner than the original Cerakote. So in the past, if there was particular areas where we couldn't Cerakote due to tolerances, then the Elite is actually an option that you can now use to get that fantastic corrosion protection. Do you reckon it eventually will surpass as the norm, the Elite, or is there still areas where the air dry and the normal heat cure will be uh, applicable, or is it looking to supersede that? Well, the beauty of Cerakote or NIC Industries who manufacture it is they're always looking to tomorrow, so they're always moving ahead. Um, they have numerous colours. They're always doing R&D. Uh, uh, yesterday, for example, they dropped another three colours that were unexpected. So in the, in the H-series, they're very, very popular because the H-series, we can adjust the gloss level so we can make them very, very flat, very matte, um, even satin, and we can make it gloss, whereas the Elite, it, because the H-series and the Elite series is a two-part product that we use, the Elite has to be mixed a very specific way, and that's why it has that gloss level. What are you normally seeing? I mean, I, I've seen them before. I personally generally like the fairly flat look, but do you, what, when you're sort of working on them, you're seeing more of the flat, more of the matte, or are you seeing a 50-50 with the slick, or what are you generally seeing? It's, it's, it's a question for the, for the client. What are you going to use it for? What are your expectations? Uh, a classic example is we have numerous people now using different types of thermal imaging and, and uh, scopes and things and, and illuminators to help them at night hunting feral pests. Thereafter, the flattest black you can get because there can be issues with reflection off, say, a stainless barrel or a shiny barrel. So it's, it's a question to the individual, to the customer, what is your expectation? And then we can tailor it from there. And all the certified applicators have actual colour swatches of the product. So the client can actually look at it and go, oh, yes, okay, that's exactly what I want, rather than relying on images on computers and things like that. I mean, I guess some of those people expect too much sometimes. I mean, I've seen a couple of – I watched just before we did the show yesterday and, and a few days ago, just having a bit of a look at Cerakote and some people sort of complaining, going, well, you know, I've got my pistol. And these were sort of American dudes that I guess got concealed carry and they're, you know, well, I'm putting it in – you know, like a holster or whatever, and every time in and out, in and out, in and out, it's sort of wearing off. So I guess some people's expectations at that time probably may be a little bit higher than they should be. I mean, it's still a coating. I mean, when you've got a mechanic, something mechanical touching something else, you know, are, are people's expectations sometimes too high on what the what the product can achieve? Uh, some are, but again, it's it's a series of, series of questions that, that we'll ask them because we want to. We don't want to just meet their expectation. We want to exceed it. But as you're saying, it is a mechanical coating. Um, certain things are quite vicious on them, and they're vicious on anything. And a Kydex holster is a, a very classic example of something that's quite brutal because Kydex as a material is very coarse. Um, some Kydex holsters are the equivalent of 400 wet and dry sandpaper. 
because their job is to hold the pistol in place as the police officer or whatever may be running around. You don't want it slipping out like it's wet leather. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it comes down to what their expectation is. And one of the advantages of the Cerakote that is applied properly, which we'll touch on later, is that even if the finish is removed on, say, the edges of the pistol, provided it's not a very harsh scratch, even though the bare metal is exposed, molecularly it's still protected from corrosion because the Cerakote is into the metal microscopically. Yeah, right. Oh, very, very important part. It, let, let's say someone that did happen to someone, there was a mark or they dropped it or something like that. Is there any chance of um, repair of that or would it be sort of sandblasting that entire part and recoding it? That's the only negative side of doing Cerakote is that <laughs> if, uh, if as you spray it and a good old fly decides to land on it or the applicator drops it, it's, it has to be redone. Unfortunately, there is no touch-ups. Yeah, right. How, how thick is it, like, when people are applying? I mean, is there any difference between, as you said, the Air Dry, the H-Series or the Elite? Um, how, how thick is it and how many coats do you generally apply when, um, you know, putting those uh, barrels or any particular parts in particular? Well, it, the different products have different thicknesses. So, as I said, obviously, the Elite is, is quite a bit thinner. But on average, it's about one thousandth of an inch. Um, so to give you an idea, uh, a standard your standard credit card, MasterCard, whatever it may be, it's about one thirtieth of the thickness of that, give or take. So it's very, very thin. So it can be applied to bolt heads, lugs, uh, ejectors and extractors, which are always a tight fit, things like that, or uh, inside the grooves of a slide on a handgun, things like that as well. Yep. So, yeah, it's very, very, very thin, depending on the colour, of course. So let's say I or a client's bringing in a gun. I mean, really, what's the benefit? Someone's got a gun there. They might say they want to, you know, let's say the situation, there's many situations where they might want to apply it, but let's say it's bluing or an example. What's the benefit of that? Why should I bring a gun in and say, hey, I want to get it sericoated? Okay, a number of options. The first thing I'll touch on, because we're based in Queensland and it's, it's a big issue in Queensland, is corrosion. So bluing is a fantastic product, been around for hundreds of years. But as soon as granddad's old Seiko gets pitting in it, for it to be properly professionally re-blued that pitting needs to be removed because you can't polish the metal inside the, the pitting if that makes sense so yeah. with Cerakote what that allows us to do is we can sandblast it from multiple angles which removes all the residual corrosion in there and then when we coat it there's obviously it's very thin so it's not going to fill the pitting but it won't bubble up underneath like it's well known to do when things are re-blued because you can't chemically remove uh, corrosion from inside, deep inside pitting, because you can only physically remove it, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Is there any other companies out there? What are they using? Are they using in, on any products as well at the moment? I mean, obviously, other than firearms, are there any other areas where that's uh, working well? Thousands. Uh, Oakley sunglasses, firearms, major car components, manufacturers. Uh, we do pistons, Harley-Davidson. It, it, literally, the list is is endless uh, and every day it's even bigger. Almost every firearms manufacturer based in the US offers a Cerakoted option. Uh, a lot of the spare parts manufacturers for firearms do it. Uh, High-end cars, rims, wheels. It's just, it's just absolutely mind-boggling what, what Cerakote can be used for. But bear in mind, it's, there are other areas of Cerakote as well. They have a large automotive section. They have an area that's designed specifically for uh, you know, pistons and, and headers and 
radiator housings and all that type of stuff. So, in regards to pitting too, I mean, obviously, if it's, I mean, people's expectations need to match, I guess, the damage to the current firearm. But let's say they've got pitting, it's pretty bad. I mean, what are their options in that situation? Obviously, we'll talk about the preparation for Sierra Code in a minute, but what can they generally do? What can they realistically expect? If you spray over some type of pitting or rust, will that, can that you know, create problems down the track? No, it won't create any problems at all. The issue is it might just be visually a bit of an eyesore, purely because pitting can be fixed to a certain point. It can be draw filed out, sanded, et cetera. But if that can't happen, say it's um, yeah, if it was on a crown of a rifle because we'd stored the rifle muzzle down and it'd been there for a while, simple matter for your local gunsmith to recrown it, it's easily fixed. But if it was, say, halfway along the barrel or um, the scope mounts or something like that were pitted, because Cerakote is so thin, it's not going to fill it. But done properly, the corrosion will not come through. Yeah, all right. All right, guys, we'll go a quick break again, and we'll be right back. Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass. Enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% of the eye light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit OSA Australia .com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible. All right, Chris, let's talk about the, I guess, the preparation for Syracuse. I don't think people really understand exactly what sort of goes into the preparation before you even sort of lay a coat down of Syracuse. So can you discuss, I guess, the preparation of Syracuse? Uh, certainly. So we'll, we'll keep it specific to a firearm just because that's what we like to do. So the firearm will come in, it's disassembled, everything's evaluated to make sure that parts don't need to be replaced or a part might only have a half-life because there's no point coating a part that's half-broken. Uh, it's chemically cleaned with a, a fairly soft uh, detergent. Then it's run through a another cleaning process, which is a chemical to remove any old grease, grime, um, carbon, burnt powder, that type of stuff. A classic example is muzzle brakes are always absolutely filthy internally. It's, once it's once it's chemically cleaned, it goes into a, an oven at a specific temperature depending on what the, the, the product is, and it's baked for a period of time because sometimes you may have uh, residual oils or things like that that, are, that have been soaked into the metal because the metal may have got hot sitting in the boot of a car and absorbed the, the, the gun oil. That process is repeated for cleaning and baking until there's no more, um, no more contamination. And a classic example is where the barrel screws into the action on a, on a rifle, they almost exclusively always, always leach a little bit of oil out of there. And we need to remove that because any form of contamination can affect the adhesion of the Cerakote. Once that's all done, there's no more contamination. It goes into a sandblast cabinet, sandblasted with a particular type of uh, aluminium oxide or garnet, a certain mesh. Once it comes out of there, it goes straight into the booth and it's coated. Once it's coated, it has a period of time where it hangs, and if it's a, the air-dry Cerakote, then it gets hung in a dust-free environment. If it's a heat cure, it then goes into the oven. It's baked for the recommended time. And the beauty of the heat-cured Cerakote is once that baking time is finished, and it's on average two hours, once that product is done and cools down, that's it. It's done. It's then removed from the hanging fixtures, reassembled, a minor bit of lubrication, or if we put 
say, pick a tinny rail on a rifle, it might have a little bit of a very thin Loctite put on just to lock it down and the firearms reassemble. Yeah, nice. I was going to say, if you ever... If I ever send you one and do one of mine, you'll probably be soaking mine and and uh, putting it in the oven for weeks because the amount of oil I've got on mine sometimes, like I think it's got inox, lanox, oh man, you name it, pretty much, you know. I won't say they're swimming in it or anything, but they've certainly got a good application to stop them from rusting, that's for sure. Well, the, the thing with it though, Jason, is the fact that we want to see it more loved than unloved. If it's unloved, we can help you fix that. But if it is loved, it might take a little bit longer, but then we can remove all that. And and because we do a lot of firearms, as do the other certified applicators, there's certain things, certain brands and certain types we know are, that are faster to do, and some are a little bit more of a pain in the bum, and they will be uh, – it's done according to the price. But like anything to do with any sort of a product, the preparation is absolutely 99% of it. That's the most important thing. What about application? Obviously, we're not you know, going to use a roller or a, uh, you know, a paintbrush or anything. So what's the general uh, you know, accepted application process of Cerakote? The, the standard application process pretty much across the board, depending on whether we're using the air cure, the heat cure, or the elite, is we use a particular brand of uh, HVLP spray gun with a particular needle size. It's sprayed on, uh, strained, obviously, a bit like a paint. It's then sprayed on. and because I would always recommend if someone wants something Cerakoted to go and see a certified applicator, when we do our certification, the the gentleman who runs us through the training course is an absolute ninja with a spray gun, and we get taught to how, how to actually get Cerakote into areas that you can't almost can't see into, like up inside an action, um, not into the, into the chamber, of course, um, and little nooks and crannies, because as you can understand, you, you imagine a, the handguard on a, on a, a tactical rifle, an AR-style handguard, there's 150 different shapes and sizes and cutouts, et cetera. So there is a technique to doing it, but it's once you, you do it and you do it fairly regularly, it's not terribly difficult. Bit of a curveball question, actually. I know many years ago when I was a young whippersnapper, we spoke on the phone about this. I started an apprenticeship in... Um in uh, you know body work and, and spray gunning and stuff like that. There was a lot of issues, especially surrounding the business and like councils and the types of products, especially the isocyanates in two-pack primers and, 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 and top-cut clear coats, for any example. Is there any issues like with council? Like, when people are, like obviously when you started up your business, any issues with um, you know, local councils or anything like that? As always, it's the government. They've got to get their share of the pie. <laughs> uh, but nothing can't be overcome without a bag full of money when you talk to them. It's every every state is slightly different. Um, we we were lucky enough that we we built our own facility, and I was able to design what I used. But the the the, the proper PPE is you know, personal protection equipment is very 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 important because as is any of the new products coming through, we, we're finding out that you know even even concrete dust is hazardous to our health. So we 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 have a a good little. Uh, spray booth that we use. We have an oven that is specifically manufactured for what we do. We don't, although you may see on YouTube that someone's decided to, while grandma's cooking pies, they're going to hang their Glock slide in there after they've coated it. I certainly wouldn't be doing that. It's um, it's it's a very good product, but with anything that has a a, a carrier system in it, and we we use acetone, we use brake clean, we use a lot of different products to clean different things, and none of them are good for your health. 
Yeah, absolutely. And people would be surprised with sort of the the application process of how many coats. So generally, how many coats would, would people or would you apply to uh, a specific uh, firearm part, for an example? Pretty much excluding multicolour cam jobs, a single coat. Yeah, so right. the, the, the spray gun will be set a particular way at a certain pressure, and it's literally up the barrel, down the barrel, turn the barrel, up the barrel, down the barrel, and it's done. When you And we'll talk about multiple colours and colours in a minute as well, but how does that work in regards to, again, going back to my old days, remember you spent the you know, sort of wet on wet, 50% pass, for an example. So when you do a single colour, let's say a single colour, that's obviously pretty self-explanatory, but if you do multi-colours, do you then have to bake in between or is this all done sort of at the one time? Because I imagine probably that's fairly difficult. So how does that work, especially when you do multiple coats? So if we were to use, do something like, say, a, a multi-cam, we would put a base coat down, then predominantly we'd use a special type of a stencil material. We'll put the stencil on, and then the next colour would be applied. Um, then it would go into the oven to be partially baked just to get the Cerakote to set on the outside. It comes out and cools. Then we repeat the process. Uh, we've done them up to nine colours, um, which is over the top, but it's what the customer wanted. And then when it's finished, the stencils are removed and it's, it does the two-hour bake to set the Cerakote properly. What, what are you generally – I mean, I guess everyone's different depending on the client, but what are you generally seeing? Are you seeing most people come in and just select base, a basic flat colour because they want to make their fire a bit more hard-wearing or you're seeing people, you know, go all out, um, you know, with <laughs> crazy colours and stencils and stuff like that? What are you generally seeing? We've we literally the gamut runs from one end to the other, but because I'm quite an avid deer hunter, a lot of my customers are deer hunters, and it's always a given that we want something relatively flat, relatively earthy, or green without being over the top. Uh, pistol shooters, they're entirely different. They like crazy zany colours and purple bits here and green bits there, etc. Um, but it, it again, it comes down to what the individual wants. Uh, one of the the greatest things about Cerakote apart from the, the corrosion resistance is you could have a, a rifle that has aluminium mounts that are anodized, stainless steel bases, and you might have a blue barrel in action with a stainless steel bolt handle. But when we use the, the heat-cured Cerakote, we put that on everything and it all is the same color. So we, could, we can literally coat any type of metal with any other type of metal and there's no variations in the shades. Um, you know, anodizing is different because that guy anodized it today and that guy anodized it tomorrow. There'll be a slight variation in the shade. Uh, that's one of the biggest advantages we find because on a, on a rifle, as you know, you've got so many options that the opportunity to colour match it is very, very important for the client. When people normally say ring you up, they may not know what they want. They don't know about colours and stuff. Like what normally happens in that situation? Is there a colour swatch or palette or do you send them current pictures of firearms? Like how does it normally work if they're sort of a bit unsure with what colours are available? The, the clients that are relatively local to us in southeast Queensland will usually make the drive from the Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, wherever it may be, and come and see us. And we... If we don't have a physical rifle here in that colour, we have swatches that we have physically sprayed ourselves, but we also have swatches that are supplied by Cerakote, and we encourage them to take the swatch set and they go outside and have a look at that colour in the shade and have a look at that colour in the sunlight, and that usually makes it very easy for them. The, the difficulty is when we have clients that are from interstate or, um, say, North Queensland, they pretty much generically always refer back to 
just give me the flattest black you've got, please. Yeah, right. I was wondering, uh, like, when can you make custom colours? I mean, when people sort of come in and say, well, you know, I don't really like the look of that. That's not what I want. But I can imagine sometimes, you know, the clients, you know, trying to get exactly what they want could be, you know, probably a little bit difficult. So is there a custom? Can you do that? And if so, uh, what would the client's expectations be to actually, like, achieve that specific colour and actually be happy with it at the end of the product? Well, a classic uh, story is going to Bunnings and ask for a white paint and you'll be there for 35 minutes looking at 400 swatches. We try to to match what the customer's expectations are. And if they have a sample of, 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 you know, they might have a particular brand of camo clothing they have and, oh, can you match that? That's the grey that I want. We need to physically see it. But uh, we, can, we can do custom colours. And we do have a number of customers who do like the, the one upmanship where they like to have a particular colour so they can walk around and tell their mates that it's the only... XYZ rifle or pistol in that colour. <laughs> yeah. um, we log it, and and as you know, some of us are quite eccentric. But if we can't match a shade, and a classic example is for some camo colours, um, because US cams are different to ours. With the H series, not the Elite and not the Air Cure, but with the H series, we can actually custom match colours by blending it. With with patterns and stuff, is it generally stencil, or if some you know person comes in, it's really eccentric and goes right, I want this. Do you sometimes think, oh man, how am I going to actually? Which I completely understand. How am I actually going to achieve what they want? You know, so, some people have some people have a fantastic mind where they can reverse engineer things. I, I'm that guy who keeps looking under the next level. Um, as long as we have an idea that we're on the same page, we can pretty much do it. And and some of the guys who and the girls who do the seracoding are absolute whizzes of that type of thing. Um, it, it just comes down to what the customer wants. The stencils add a significantly additional cost to it purely because we have to use a certain type of stencil material. The That particular material is not easily available in Australia. So a lot of us import the stencils from the States and they are frightfully expensive, especially with the uh, with the exchange rate as terrible as it is at the moment. And it's not uncommon for a couple of hundred dollars in stencils to be on a job. Yeah, well, um, you, can you only use them once or are they generally you can reuse yes. them or no? no? Only once? Usually only the once because obviously you're overlapping the colours. The freehand is a little bit different um, and... With camos, it's quite funny. The neater and the nicer it looks to our eyes as human beings, generally the worse it works in the field. Uh, if I could gain, gainfully employ six-year-old kids from kindergarten to, to do camo patterns on stocks, that's what I'd do because the more blobs and splutches that are on things, the, the less cleaner the lines are, the better it just blends into everything. What about those hard-to-reach areas? I've seen, I can imagine, you know, you've got receivers, you've got, you know, different types of parts and stuff like that that you need to code. So, I mean, how do you get into, you know, with that spray gun? How do you sort of uh, 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 and get into it? Yeah, right? you have to be triple-jointed <laughs> to a certain degree. <laughs> but, again, one of the things is because the, the guys and girls that do this every day for a living, there's certain receivers or actions are, are quite a pain in the bum, but because they do it quite regularly, there's there's a process which let, let's say pick a cylindrical receiver like uh, like, like a Howard is a classic example. Um, you've got your recoil lug, you've got your square edges, you've got your your the magazine bay cutout and things like that. So you would always start on the inside and, and then slowly work your way out. The 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 process of 
having sprayed lots of items definitely gives you an advantage on doing a certain thing. But if the person applying it has a bit of an issue, you can tack it off in the oven, bring it back out, and then sandblast it and start the process again. Well, it's a little bit about, I guess, I mean, obviously that's fairly individual per se, but I'm not sure if you had a package-based system or ex- example for, you know, costings, but what would someone be honestly be looking at? They come in, let's talk about, you know, you're just your general flat colour, one colour, then you might have something a bit more eccentric, then you've got your patterns and camo and stencils. What are they generally looking at? Okay, well, let's, let's again, let's refer to Hauer, or, uh, and, and certain rifles are the same, so a Hauer, Ticker T3, Remington 700, they're all essentially made the same, so they disassemble the same. And and most Cerakotas will have two or possibly three options. So a simple option would be just um, the barrel, the action, the bolt handle, the shroud, and the bottom metal. And something like that, on average, on those particular ones, you'd be looking at about $350 currently. The next step up is then to also include the mounts, which would then bring it up to about roughly about $430, $450. And the most popular package that we sell by far um, is what we call a works package, as do the other Cerakotas. And that is where we do basically take the scope off the rifle and we do basically everything we can see that is not the the stock. So it will be starting from the bottom going up, the sling swivel studs, the bottom metal, the bottom metal screws, the floor plate, uh, the barrel, the action, the bolt handle, the bolt shroud, uh, rings, screws, the bases, the screws that hold the bases on, etc. And then with the works package, Cerakote has another product which is called Micro Slick, or some people like to refer it to it as Gun Slick. And it's a very, very good product, particularly for the likes of bolts, firing pins, springs, extractors, ejectors, that type of thing. So that's also included in that price. So effectively. You send me your Hauer. We do it as a works package. All you have to worry about is putting the scope back on it. If you haven't supplied the scope to us, oil a bore, put it away. Don't worry about it. Everything else is done. Nice. Quick break, guys. Be right back. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. All right, mate, um, three most popular firearms you're getting Cerakoted or people are generally bringing in and saying, right, Chris, get onto this. I want it coming back looking bloody fantastic. Without a doubt, the Remington pump-action rifles, they're our number one firearm that we do. And I think it's predominantly because people tend to treat them, uh, not badly, but they take them in environments, chasing goats, chasing pigs, putting it on the back of the buggy, put it on the front of the, the, the quad. So they do get whacked around a little bit, and we do a lot of those, a hell of a lot of them. Um, next most popular one is uh, the Ticker T3 in our district because everybody likes them because they're very, very light. And then the other one of, is the Howell Weatherby Vanguards, very, very popular once again because they're a, all three are very well-priced rifles to do what they're designed to do, but they're not because they're not manufactured in Australia, their finishes are not really suitable for some of our environments. 
What about, um, you know, we talk about a lot where Sarah Kate, I guess, is, is applicable, but where, I, I guess, not just on firearms, I mean, obviously predominantly, but where is it not suitable, either the H or the air dry or just in general, what parts can't be covered or in general just, just won't work and shouldn't be used on those particular areas or parts? Um, with with the H series Cerakote, it, it's all Cerakote products are incredibly flexible. You can literally coat a piece of thin tin, um, run it through the system so it's cured, and you can flex it backwards and forwards on itself 180 degrees, and then fold it open, and it won't lift and it won't peel. So it's you can put it on things that are very flexible, which which is a big advantage to it. But one of the places where it doesn't excel. Uh, and we don't apply it to is anything that's rubberized. So your Hogue rubber stocks, uh, we can put it on, but we choose not to because we can't guarantee the adhesion. The rubberized um, scope covers, the flip-ups, there's lots of different brands of those. The Dura-Touch Dura or Dura-coated type stocks, which are becoming more and more prevalent, uh, which are the stocks that have that sort of very – they're renowned for going sticky over a period of time. Um, we don't coat those types of stocks unless we're able to remove all of that product. But it's huge in the car industry. It's huge in the motorbike industry. Um, effectively, really anything that's rubberized, that's really the only thing that can't be coated. What about, I'm not sure we, I don't think we spoke about it at the beginning, but what about, um, obviously most guns you know, generally are metal, but what about um, stocks? What about plastics? I mean, we're seeing a lot too i guess they can be removed but we're seeing a lot of these guns coming out with these you know carbon fiber wraps etc and things like that how does that work is it good on plastics uh, is the heat uh, cured cerakote used on the plastics or is that more of an air dry or a or a slower bake time on the hate series what are we looking at in regards to plastics and all this carbon fiber and new fandangled stuff that's popping out recently well t- touching on for stocks we'll we'll talk about that so we've got various different substrates we have carbon fiber we have fiberglass we have generic mixes we have hard plastic that type of thing they can all be coated with the h series there's not an issue there some can handle higher temperatures than others but they're all relatively easy to be coated um the the polymers like um any of the newer pistols coming out with the polymers that takes cerakote very very well the metal on the slide, so you could literally have a particular brand of uh, a pistol and you want the slide in one colour and you want the frame in another colour and you maybe, say, want the back straps in a different colour, it's easily fixed. There, there's a lot of different options that can be done to a lot of different things. There are a couple of brands of stocks that we do not recommend that get run through the, the with the heat-cured Cerakote. Um but they're few and far between, and that's why we have the air cure Cerakote because we can at least clean them up, put the air cure on. The only negative aspect of the air cure is if you want a camo design on an air cure, it does take a very long period of time. Um, and then when the product's applied, the final coat, it has to literally sit there for six, five or six days for it to harden up before it can be wrapped and sent. Whereas if we do a hard plastic stock, it comes out the oven, cools down, puts back together, and away we go. 
Yeah, luckily, it's always, it must be interesting to have a look at all the different makes, models, stocks, different, uh, what they're made out of, you know, not my luck, I'd, you know, myself, I'd, if I did it myself, I'd have it in there, come back and my stock would be melted. That's why you go to your applied guys that are trained in Cerakote applicating, not uh, backyard hackers. But we'll speak about that, actually. What's the difference if I go speak to you, you're obviously a trained Cerakote applicator, I want to go through what that process actually uh, covers, because, you know, you might have Joe Blow down the street working for his garage for any example yeah maybe some people said he does good work but he's not trained to do it what's the benefits of actually going to someone that she's done the work and the accreditation in applying Cerakote well the, the the most important part is obviously the person knows how to apply and the the process of cleaning the items and look, I, I do know some guys who you know are professional car painters and they can they can do things with spray guns that are just absolutely insane but the preparation of the product that you're doing is entirely different to a car. So that that's one of the most important things. And then the other thing is is that car guys are used to laying down layers. They're very good. They missed it on, and they might do six or eight or ten layers to get that beautiful colour to show through. We don't do that with Cerakote. It's very, very important that it's done as thin as possible because like anything, the thicker you make it, the more it interferes with the tolerances. Um, most of if not all of the certified applicators will give a guarantee. We have our own particular guarantee. But the most important thing is because we do it all the time, it allows us to speak with some authority that you want to do this and this and this. And if we say, look, I wouldn't really recommend that, we're not just going to have a go, if that makes sense. Other guys are, again, back to car painters, they can paint they can paint a brick and make a brick look like it was come out of a machine. Um, that's a very important factor that knowing how to apply to get it as thin as possible and not just that, but also the function of what you're putting it on. It, it's not just firearms. Cars have much higher tolerances on bodies than they do with um, say a firearm or, uh, or, or hinges or things like that. So it, it is very, very important. And it also gives you the ability to, if you have an item that hasn't been coated before, Let's just say there's a brand new type of carbon fibre that's made into a stock. Um, although we are all in competition with each other, we do talk. And if someone has done it before and there's a, a successful way of doing it or a way that doesn't work, we do discuss it with each other. We we, we are competitive, but we don't keep our secrets. We're, we're quite generous with each other because there's plenty of work for all of us. I mean, is there any stories you can think of where, you know, someone's come in, maybe wanted you know, something in particular and you're, you've advised, well, that's not really possible to achieve, you know, the, the what they're actually after or anything like that or is it or you've given them advice to go a different route or anything like that? Um, it, pr- pretty much always the advice is something that, that, that they rely very heavily on. Uh, they, they may say you may you may bring your rifle and you may have a particular brand of rings that are, that are well-renowned for not being very good or they may break or they're just like a scented cheap metal we'll always advise you saying look before we start do you have the ability to swap these rings out and if so this is what i would suggest they can then have the the, the ring sent to us but yeah we everybody everybody who sprays has got some horror stories of things that people have brought and um some of it's not 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 fit for for public airing some of it's quite funny it, it all comes down to what their expectation is and we've We've done guns that I swear look like a unicorn. There's eight different colours, solid colours on different things, but that's what the clients 
16-year-old daughter wanted or that's what that competitive shooter wanted. Um, as long as it's safe and it doesn't look bad, we're, we're happy to pretty much help anyone with anything. <laughs> we'll talk about how to get in contact with you in a minute. So just final break and then we'll come right back. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. All right, mate, if people want to come and, you know, they want to just say they want to use your business, they say, right, this guy, I like what he's putting out, he's got some great stuff there, I trust him with my firearm to apply Cerakote. I mean, generally, can they, you know, pop up and you know, give it to you? Can they send it in the post? Can they go to their dealer and get it sent to you? What's that situation like? Yeah, sure. So if, if they're local to us in southeast Queensland, it's a relatively simple process. Get in contact with us. We'll give you a quote. We have um, a lot of different jobs we've done before, so we can get very close to the money on the quote. Organise a time, come up, leave it with us. We'll run it through the system. Uh, in Queensland, we have to do what's called a Form 10, which is the, the legislated um, safekeeping of a firearm. So if you were to bring it to me and you're a Queensland resident, we do all the appropriate paperwork so we comply with our weapons branch. Uh, Double-check everything. Everything's all good. Give you a, an ETA. Away you go. Um, once we start on a work, we'll usually let you know. And if there's any issues, we can let you know. That's for a local person. Um, anybody interstate is, or actually I'll touch on a person that's not local, but is in Queensland. Uh, they can post it to us, registered post. That's not an issue. And there's a, a small process that goes along with that. So contact us and we can help you with that. And from interstate, it just has to be a dealer to dealer transfer, which we are a fully licensed category A, B, C, D and H dealer. So you can take it either to your local club dealer or your local shop and then have them ship it to us, liaise with us, and then we have to ship it back to them. So it's a very simple and straightforward process we do all the time. There's, there's no hassles. Mate, if they want to get in contact with you or they might want to see some work, are you on the, the Zuckerbook or the YouTube or the Instagram or anything like that? Where can they go to have uh, a look at some of your work? Sure. Um, we have a website, which is protectivecc.com.au. We're also on Facebook as Protective Ceramic Coatings, and we are also on Instagram. Um, but the best bet is if they want is shoot us an email, which is info at protectivecc.com.au, or give us a tingle, 0433 546 280, and we'll help them out. Even if it's, you've got a, a generic question, they're not sure about something, uh, we try to be a one-stop shop. So if a customer is purchasing a particular rifle over there and particular mounts over there and they're not going to be suitable, we can advise them, look, I wouldn't take that particular unit, take that one and this is why. So we try and help everybody as much as we can. Yeah, and I always tell people if they're going to use Chris and they use his, you know, let him know too. Let him know you heard about him from the show. We've done a, a few interviews recently, probably over the last six months, and um, it's really good because people have been letting the people know that I'm referring to or have done the show that they're actually hearing from on my show. So, yeah, please do. So I can hopefully hear some great feedback from, from Chris that he's got, you know, people coming in that have heard about him on the show and uh, are using, you know, his services based on listening to the show. So uh, that would be great. So, mate, anything, other advice to finish off, anything you'd like to finish off and say before? finishing off the show? Uh, most certainly. 
first off, as a potential customer, ask questions. Um, there's not too many questions. Your, your, your local Cerakote person should have the answers, and if not, they should be able to track them down. Everybody is slightly individual, and you may have an old particular firearm that is not a very common firearm, or you may have a particular application. Most certified Cerakotes work with licensed armourers, so if the thing's not firing, you can send it to the Cerakota. They'll then send it to the armourer and get it fixed because there's no point fixing a part that the uh, coating a part that the gunsmith might grind a bit off or replace. The other thing as well is there is a very simple way to see if a, a certified Cerakota is on the map. There's a company called SLR Coatings who import the product. They have an applicator page on there. Click on that by state. It's got everybody there. It gives you lots and lots of options. Again, ask questions. If you're not sure, just ask for it in writing. We, we do that all the time. It's very simple. And just the other thing that I wanted to touch on, Jason, is that there are a lot of different products in, in the Cerakote brand, like clears, which we haven't touched on. They have a clear that's specifically made for a hydro-dipping stock. So if a stock is refinished and hydro-dipped, one of the issues, as you would know, you, you've, you've done a few testings of hydro-dipped stocks. They can tend to get marked quite easily and torn. This product is sprayed on, and it, it's very, very strong product. So if a, if a customer has something that they're looking to do, ask the question. There's probably a Cerakote answer for them. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's great, yeah. And, and the only other thing I would suggest is, is or, or very heavily recommend, is just make sure that everything you do is don't leave it with a mate, take it to someone who knows what they're doing because uh, fixing it a second time always costs more. I mean, I wonder what any. I mean, for the future, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, the the you know coding industry to see where it goes in the future. Whether you know they not so they come out with a better product or anything like that, but uh, you know how Cerakote's going to hold up over say the next you know ten years. I mean, I guess you really there's only so many coatings running around. You know, bluing Cerakote. I mean, you got that. I mean, I don't like the Parkerized finish. That's bloody horrible. But yep. <laughs> it'd be interesting to see yeah where it goes and and also just the Cerakote technology. And you said they already got the Elite series. So how that will you know. Um, move on into the future and will there be more products and yeah i think it's be good to see the evolution over say the next 10 years well the, the cerakote is now going to robotic spraying for certain manufacturers some of the, the the guns that you and i shoot are a uh sprayed by a robot which is quite incredible they also have a product which um i was very lucky enough to work for cerakote australia for a little while and they have a product that is unfortunately not available to us civilians but it'll mask um, stuff from um, night vision equipment. And so they're very big into the military aspect. And, you know, to give you an example, um, all the British uh, military firearms from the sniper rifles down are in the process of all going through and being redone in Cerakote purely because for where they go and for what they do, there isn't a current, there isn't a better finish out there. And, you know, our special forces guys use them, our commandos use it. It's, it's the more you look into the product, the more uses you will find for it. So, and knives, we do lots and lots and lots of knives for different manufacturers, and and you know, guys who might make fifty blades a year, they don't want to um, invest in the infrastructure to do Cerakote. So, you know, they they approach us and say, look, how much is it to do so many blades a year? And and we come to an, an arrangement with them, and that's the same with all the other Cerakotes. So, while there might not have been a product that was available for you last year, chances are it's not available this year. 
All right, Chris Pritchard joins us here on AHP having a chat about everything Cerakote. So if you want to get your gun Cerakoted, give Chris a call from Protective Ceramic Coatings. Uh, so, Chris, thanks for coming on to the show to have a chat about Cerakote. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jason. Appreciate it. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. Thank you.